Oh, amen, amen, amen. Good morning, New Life Church. Good morning, good morning. You guys ready for the Word of God today? All right, well, let me invite you to turn with me uh, in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm excited. We're uh, going to be continuing in our series. It uh, is one of those things that I had intended just to be like a two-week thing, and and God just is like, no, 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 no. There's more to it. There's more to it. So we're we're just taking our time uh, to get through this story. Uh, particularly, we're looking at David versus Goliath, and uh, David and the giant. And so um, it's a lot of stuff in here. It's more than just a Sunday school story. It's more than just something you read about when you're 12 uh, years old. There's a lot of stuff in this that's power-packed with truth and principle and, and, and some good kingdom focus that we need to give ourselves to. And so we're going to be looking at that some more today. But um, I want to draw your attention, as Kaylee pointed out, next Sunday we start a 14-day time of prayer as a congregation. We do this about three or four times a year. We start out the beginning of the year with a 21-day prayer and fast, where we actually fast during that 21 days. And then, um, and then we do it again in the spring leading up to Easter. And we're doing it now uh, starting next Sunday, uh, going into the fall season of our year. And we're going to be praying for different things, uh, praying about the rest of this year, uh, praying about our country, praying about our church, praying about just different things God is putting on our radar to pray for, but um, I want to draw your attention uh, to, uh, to that. And at the connect table at the back, as she pointed out, we've got cards uh, about different things and uh, ways that you can connect. Uh, I feel it's important to remind, remind us as a church family that sometimes we can get in a hurry and forget to stop at the connect table, but there are, there are cards about different things, cards about corporate prayer uh, that happens every fourth Saturday. Cards about your children, New Life Kids, and our teenagers, ways they can connect to the church. There's cards about inviting people. We give you a card to go and to take and give to somebody to invite to church, uh, to invite to a life group with you. There's cards about life group, when they meet, when we connect throughout the week. Uh, so different cards about different things, mainly all revolving around one thing, and that is connecting. Um, connecting into the life of New Life Church. And so I want to make sure you, you are aware of that. I'm really excited about this 14 days of prayer. Um, one reason I'm excited is, um, is because it's a time where we as a church unify ourselves around one central thing, and that's pray. And we conclude those 14 days of prayer uh, with corporate uh, prayer on that Saturday at 10 a.m. the 26th. But also something new that we're adding into this time of prayer and the hope to do for all the different times that we join together for prayer, that is we're going to be adding in a road of devotional. Uh, for you guys, uh, it's a it's 14 days. It's one per day. Uh, you're gonna get a sh you're gonna get a uh, a look at that next Sunday morning, and uh, it's gonna be you're gonna be able to access that on our website. And uh, if for some reason you you don't have access to internet, uh, um, then um, we will have that available on paper on print too for you. Okay. Um, but we really want you as a church, we really want you to get to our website and, uh, and get on there and look in and, uh, and connect uh, as the, in that manner as well. But anyway, I'm excited about um, providing a devotional. First time I've done that, 14 days, one per day, and it's going to be neat. So anyway, we're going to have those out to you next Sunday morning, okay? And uh, so I want to make sure you guys were aware about that. I know it's a holiday weekend, 
uh, one of the last hurrahs of the summer. A lot of people out vacationing, taking advantage of that. But there's a lot of people that are sick, too. We need to remember uh, Pastor Prentice. Uh, he's really down. He's been out now for uh, two weeks, uh, going on two weeks. Uh, uh, just some intestinal issues um, there. And anyway, he needs your prayers. And uh, he had hoped to be here today and um, really hoped to be back, bounce back quickly, but it's taken longer. Uh, just remember him in your prayers uh, today and this week uh, as you pray for different ones. And I know different ones are also battling different stuff. We prayed for a lot of you guys last Sunday and uh, continue to pray to see you overcome, to see you be strong, and to see you uh, take the ground that God wants you to take. And it's hard to do that when you're down and when you're out. And so uh, not only do, uh, does your church want to see you up and moving, but there's people all around you that need you. They need your eyes. They need your smile. They need your touch. They need your prayer. And so it's important for God's people to be strong and vibrant and uh, full of uh, God's power to do His thing. Amen? And so we just know that we're praying for you guys throughout the week and keeping you lifted up before the Lord. All right, you guys should be at 1 Samuel 17. Anybody not there? Don't, don't admit it. It's 1 Samuel 17, Old Testament. Well, you should be getting there. I'm going to draw your attention to the screen. This is uh, kind of the foundational scripture in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let me read this scripture to you. Verse 35 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Big question a lot of people ask. Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we go through stuff, if we have trouble, if we have calamity, if we are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. And the answer to the question, Paul says, is no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory. Can you say overwhelming victory? Come on, say it like you really mean it. Overwhelming victory. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you today for your grace, your presence in our life. I thank you, Lord, for the church and the church body and the family that you've called to be together today. That you allow each one of us to connect to something bigger than ourselves. And I pray in these few minutes, God, of your word, as we open your word, that you would give us ears to hear. That you would give us the heart to receive. May we all have the comprehension in our minds that we need this morning. That we shake off sluggishness and tiredness. And that, God, we give you the due, proper attention that you so deserve. And that you would give us a life willing to embrace what it is you want to say to us this day. And I ask, God, that you would guide my thoughts... Lord, and I pray that you would guard my heart and that, Father, you would govern my words as I speak on your behalf this morning. We honor you and we give you thanks, O oh God. Thank you for your life-changing word 
in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Don't let me go old school on you and say, let the church say amen three times because I'll do it to you. Let the church say amen. <laughs> All right. Well, praise God. Here's what Oswald Chambers said from his book, Up My Utmost for His Highest. You can read it on the screen. He says, my, he says, no power on earth or in hell can conquer the Spirit of God in a human spirit. It is an inner unconquerableness. Amen? An inner unconquerableness, the Spirit of God inside of a human spirit. We're in the middle of, of, a, of a series called Straight Out of Bethlehem, subtitle, An Overcoming Spirit. Talking specifically about David and the story of David fighting the giant Goliath. And uh, just quick pause, interjection. Thank you all for last Sunday coming out to the Unity Service. All of you guys who came out and supported and prayed for us. Very, very good service. Uh, those of you that were there, uh, I was astounded at the turnout of, of all churches that were involved. Just packed. I don't think there was an empty seat around. And so great spirit, great spirit of unity and unification amongst the brotherhood of God's people in our churches, in our city. And it was just great. And so thank you for that, uh, Jake and our team making the sacrifice to be a part of that. They had to be there really, really early. Uh, had to be there a couple times to practice and be there early to make it all happen. And, and everyone else who helped uh, make that possible. So thank you all. Hey, you guys like the paint? You like the fresh paint up here? Doesn't it look good? Yeah. Doesn't that look good? Well, I can't take credit for it. Uh, my, my, actually, my stepdad did this. Uh, Joe Bradley painted this for us this week. I think he did a, I think he did a, a good job, don't you? Yeah. Well, the alumni, actually the owners wanted it painted, and they, they said if you'll get the, get the labor, we'll supply the stuff. And so that's how it worked out. And so thankful for that partnership there and, uh, and somebody who knows what they're doing. It's always nice to have that. So thank you. Uh, there's more to come. We're in the process of doing uh, facelift to the stage as we, as we move along here. And, uh, but anyway, let's go back to 1 Samuel 17. As I said, we're in the middle of this story, uh, David and Goliath. And uh, it's, really, it's really, I broke it down into three parts. The first part we talked about a couple of weeks ago, was, it was really on dealing with fear, facing our fears, uh, the first 19 verses. Then the second uh, part of this story takes place in verses 20 through 40. We, we made it through one part of that last week. And this whole second part deals with our faith, having faith. Faith is an action-oriented thing in God's eyes. He, he, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 17, if you have faith like a mustard seed, if you will tell that mountain to move, that mountain will move from here to there. If you have faith. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that without faith, we can't please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. And the Apostle James says that faith without works is dead. So it leads us to believe and understand that faith has movement. Faith is action-oriented. That you and I, we cannot overcome anything in our life without faith. It takes faith not only to believe that God is and who He says He is and what He says He can do, but then we also must move on, act on what God has instituted and originated in His Word. 
All right, you following me? So faith is action-oriented. And this whole second part of this story in 1 Samuel 17 with David, we're looking at the, at the different faith action points of David. Now keep in mind, the setting here is there in the middle of a battle. God's people, Israel, and the nation of Israel, the army of Israel against the Philistines and their army. Okay, And they have one particular guy that they, they rely on heavily, and that's Goliath. He's a champion. He's over nine feet tall. Never been defeated, okay? And uh, if you know the rest of the story, then you know how it ends and how good it is. But last week, we, we zeroed in on one verse in this story. David is in the middle of this, and he goes, to, he's not even enlisted in the army. He's actually just going there on behalf of his dad to check on his older brothers who are in the army to find out how things are going on so he can bring back a good report. But he hears what the giant's doing for 40 days and 40 nights, taunting and defying God and his name and, the, and God's people. And David's like, man, is anybody going to do anything about this? It's just, it's just not good. And so we covered a lot of those things over the last couple of weeks. So I encourage you to go back onto our website, and you can listen to those messages in sequence and pick up right where we are today. But that's just one of, if you're new here, that's where we've been and this is where we are and where we are going as we're continuing in this second part today uh, with faith, okay? And so we're looking at the different faith actions of David. Last week, one particular thing we talked about, David drew a line in the sand. He, he met with King Saul. He was brought off the battlefield to meet with the, with the king, and, and David told the king, he said, you know what? Don't worry about the giant because I'll go take care of him. I'll go fight him for everybody. Don't you worry about it. In other words, David drew a line in the sand, and in essence, David stood up for the sacreds in his life. And so that's what we talked about last week, having faith to stand up for the sacreds in our life. There's a question that goes along with that, and that question is, is there anything sacred anymore? I mean, is there anything sacred anymore in our world? You look around our world, you look around different things in the news and the media and movies and TV and radio and music and everything all around. The question goes to the beg, is there anything sacred anymore? It looks to be like, no, there's not. And the real reason is because when God's people stop making God's stuff sacred, then the world no longer looks at it as such. Amen? And so that doesn't mean nothing is sacred anymore. It just means that God's people, we've grown lax on our morals. We've grown lax on our convictions. We've gotten loose in our holiness with, the, with God and the way he calls us to live our life, to be a light in a dark place, to be salt in this world, to be a difference maker, to be a representative and ambassador of God's kingdom through Jesus Christ. And so, but David stood up for the sacreds in his life. And I just highlighted four, just quickly, just going to tell you the four we talked about last week. And that is this, a sacred worth standing up for is marriage. The way God instituted it and the way he designed it, that we should fight. Those of us who are married and those of us looking to get married, that when you make a covenant and you have a covenant, then you fight to keep that covenant. Why? Because marriage is a sacred covenant reflecting Jesus' love for his bride. You following me? Another sacred we talked about last week was family. We need to stand up for our family. We need to lead our families in the ways of godliness. We need to lead our households in the ways of God's kingdom and not in the ways of this world. Why is family worth standing up for and leading? Because family is a sacred community reflecting the church community, the church family in the way that the world looks at it. Integrity, another one, integrity. Our integrity is worth standing up for. It's a sacred worth standing up for and, and protecting our integrity. 
seems like these days there's a lot of people that talk a good game, but they don't have the integrity to back anything up. Integrity, protect it. Why? Because integrity is a sacred conscience reflecting the inner voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. When you do what's right in God's eyes, even when it looks wrong in the eyes of people, but you do what's right in the eyes of God, it's called integrity. Especially when no one else is looking, amen? When nobody else is around, what will you do? How will you be? One of my prayers is that, man, I will be just as much loved in private as I am in public. That I will be a better person in private than even as I am in public. Amen? Integrity. And then the fourth thing we talked about last week, the fourth sacred worth standing up for was our faith. Our faith. We're called to model our faith, to display our faith. Faith is worth standing up for because faith is a sacred commitment reflecting our dependency on God. These days and times, too many people don't want to have any kind of dependency on anybody, especially on the deity, especially on God, because then that means they, they have to show and admit and confess they need help. And that's really it. All of us need help. If, if, if we could all fix our problem, if we could all remedy and, and bring the solution to the table for all of our issues and for all of our struggles, for all of our pain, for all of our stuff, then yeah, you and I, none of us in this world will ever need a Savior. We would never need God to rely on and depend on. But the fact of the matter is, none of us can. If we could, we would have already fixed it. All of us would be happy as happy could be. We would have so much joy that we wouldn't know what to do with it. We would, <coughs> we would have so much money we wouldn't know what to do with it with it. We would have, all of our kids would be happy. Everybody would be where they needed to be, doing what they needed to be doing. If we could fix ourselves, don't you think we would have already fixed ourselves? Anybody that can fix themselves, show ain't going to go get help from nobody else. If we can do it ourselves, we don't need to be dependent on God. And faith is sacred. It shows we must be dependent on the one who can fix it. Amen? And we can't act like we don't have problems. Because everybody's got them. But there's one who is good at solving them. And the answer is in Christ Jesus. Amen? So let's look at the second part of this second part. As part two continued. Verses 33. We're going we're to focus on verses 33 through 40 this morning. And try to get through that. But let's start at verse 33. David just told the king, hey, I will fight. I will go out and fight. In other words, David said, I'll, 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 I'll stand up for the sacred. So we're going to look at the second thing David had the faith to do. The king said, verse 33, don't be ridiculous, David. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. He said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats so when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. It's just plain and simple, David said. He said, that's how I do it. That's how I roll. He said, I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. I mean, talk about talking your game here. 
Verse 37, the Lord, David said, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And Saul finally said, okay, all right then, you go ahead and may the Lord be with you. May the Lord be with you. The second part to David's faith was this. David had faith to share his story. David had faith to share his story, what we might call his testimony, if you will. Some of us, I think, discount the credibility of our story, of our testimony. We think it has no power today. We think, oh, it's just something that happened in my life. Okay, big deal. Okay, that happened. All right, I'll get on and get moving with with what God has down the road. But our story, our testimony, our story has a lot of things to offer and bring to the table. Something that you and I should not discredit or disqualify. David shared his story with King Saul. You see, David told him, he said, look, I'll go and fight him. I'll stand up for what's right. I'll stand up for the sacreds in in our life. And as soon as David said he would stand up, guess what happened? He was contested on whether or not he actually had the ability to actually do what he said he could do. And so David said, no, no, listen here, with all due respect, see, that's what you tell those who are in authority over you, well, with all due respect, Right? So parent, kids get away with talking to parents sometimes. Well, mom or dad, with all due respect, as if you just attach all due respect, it makes it okay. It, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. It just depends on the situation and the context of what's happening. But in this situation, it, it, it actually mattered. And with all due respect, David said, Saul, king, you don't know my story. You don't know me. You don't know where I'm from. You don't know what I've been. You don't know what I'm about. You don't know my history. I know I'm young and I look inexperienced and I know I'm the smallest of all my older brothers who are fighting in your army for you right now. But David didn't get into any of that stuff. He didn't get into, well, everybody else is scared. Everybody else ran away. Everybody else is hightailing it out of here. Everybody, no one else wants to stand up. Nobody, I don't see anybody else saying, I will fight. Now, David didn't have to get into all that and push the blame and point fingers at everybody else. Because, see, when you know you got it going on, you don't have to point fingers at everybody else. You just stand up for what is right, and you stick to your guns, and you just share your story. And David said, you don't know my story. King Saul, let me share my story. You see, I've been, I've been going through this already, and you didn't have any idea about it, but somehow God saw fit for me to be here, and I'm here, and so I'm going to stand up for what's right, and I'm going to do what's right, so here's my story. I used to keep, and I still do, in fact, keep my father's sheep and goats. And when a lion or a bear would come after them and try to come into the flock, he said, I didn't just stand there and let them do it. No, I went after the lion and the bear. And when the lion and the bear turned and tried to get me, I just jumped on their back and I wrestled it to the ground and I took it by its, by its jaws and I took this club and I beat it to death. I've got some scars to prove it. I've got some bite holes in my leg to show that it wasn't easy going through it, but I've got a story. And folks, here's what I want to tell you about sharing your story, us having the faith to share our story, what you have gone through. And what God has done in your life is not for naught. 
None of you suffered for any reason just to suffer. None of us go through stuff just to go through stuff. Because the last time I checked, our God is a God of redemption. He redeems us. He buys us back. And He changes the course of history called our destiny and our purpose. And He uses what was meant for evil to be turned around and then used for good. That's how come Romans 8.28 has such an impact that leads to Romans 8.35-37 where Paul says, Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? All the stuff we go through, can it separate me from what God has for me? And then Paul says, no, we have overwhelming victory through Christ. But that comes after Romans 8, 28, where it says, And we know that God is able to work together everything for its good. For everyone who loves Him and who are actively engaged in His purpose for their life. You see, when you love God and you're actively engaged in His purpose for your life, whatever it is you go through gives you a story, and then that story, you going through it, gives you a story. And when you go through it with a story afterwards, then it propels you for victory, and then it enables you to help other people. And so David found himself in this predicament. Nobody was standing up for the sacred, but David was willing to stand up. And, but he wasn't enough just to stand up, because just as quickly as he stood up, he was shot down. So he had to say, look, I need to share my story with you. I have a resume. You know what resumes are. If some of you don't know yet, you will soon find out. You will need to know how to prepare a good resume if you want to get a good paying job. It's not lying. It's not stretching. It's basically sharing your story of all of your past skills and experience and connections that you have been given over the years of your life that set the stage for your date with destiny. And all of us, every single one of us, have a story. Someone needs to hear your story. Don't keep your story to yourself. Somebody needs to hear your story. Somebody needs you to walk with them through their valley like David was willing to do in the middle of their problem and they need to hear what you have to say about it because it just so turns out you've been there, you've done that, you've bought that t-shirt, you've sold it on eBay, and, you, and then you made your money and you went on about life. You have a story. Say, I have a story. Everybody's got a story. What is your story? T- think about it. What is your story? What, what has God done in your life? Think about the ways God has moved in your life. Who needs to hear your story? Here's something to think about about our story. Three things quickly. Our story does this. Number one, our story helps us to overcome. Revelations 12 says they overcame the enemy by sharing their testimony, by sharing their story. See, every time you share your story, it helps you overcome in your own life. You need to think back. You need to recount. You need to remember. You need to reminisce. Not about all the bad and and all the ugly, but you need to think about all the stuff God has really done for you because some of you are lower down in your faith right now. Some of you are in the valley of some doubts right now, but you need to recall what God has done 
and look at how God did it. Because when you share your story and you remember your story, it helps you overcome. Here's another thing about our story. Our story reminds us of all that God has done. When you think about your story and you share your story, it reminds you of all that God has already done in your life. How has God protected you? Think about the ways God saved you. Think about the ways God delivered you. Think about the ways He showed up for you. Think about how He provided for you when you didn't have anything else to count on, but God showed up and God came through for you. Think about your story. Now, I know all of our stories don't turn out the way we had wanted them to, but it doesn't discount the fact that you have one and that God is still in the middle of it. Think about the ways God has delivered you and set you free. Think about the ways God has changed you over the last year to five years that you're not who you used to be. There's stuff that used to be prominent and big in your life and dominant in your life that had no credit and glory to God and now no longer do because God has taken up more space in your life. Think about that. Think about your story. It reminds you of all that God has done. Don't forget. But then here's another thing. Here's a third thing our story does. Our story inspires us for what God can do down the road. Our story can inspire us and inspire other people for what God is capable of doing down the road. Saul finally consented. David shared his story in, in verse 37. Saul said, okay, fine then, David. You go on with your bad self. You go on now. You go on out there. But here, let me just add this. In. It's probably just one of those, I have no idea. I don't know the heart of Saul. I just Other than what scriptures tell us, it it wasn't pretty after this point, but he just tagged it on. Oh, and may the Lord be with you. All right, if you think you're all that, then okay, go ahead. And may God just be with you then. You ever said that? Anymore? Well, may God bless you then, brother, as you go on out and do your thing. I don't really agree with it. I don't really think it's the right thing to do, but uh, okay, may God be with you. Right? May God be with you. Case in point, God was with David. We'll talk about that next week. But it opened up doors. David's story opened up a door that showed Saul, hey, what God has done for me once, he's capable of doing it again. You just never know when you talk to somebody. You never know when you sit down with somebody. You never know when you engage at someone in conversation or when you're in church or when you're in life group or when you're on the job or wherever you might be. Somebody needs to hear your story. It doesn't have to be scheduled. It doesn't have to be scripted. It doesn't have to be edited and, and, and approved by anybody other than it's you and God and what God has done for you and what you can share on God's behalf that would help somebody else think about your life and think about your story. Your story helps you overcome your story. It reminds you of what God has done, but your story inspires other people as to what God is capable of doing in the future. If God did it here, then God can surely do it again here. I mean, how many stories have you heard of somebody said, well, I was sure low on the dough this month. I didn't have enough money. There was more bills than there was income and all this stuff, and then somebody shares a story. But God, right, right? Come on, now you've been with me long enough. But God, and somebody will share their story, and they'll be like, dang, look at how God came through for them. 
and you share your story, and someone out there hears you say that, and they're like, wow, I wonder if God can do that for me. Right? And that's what David's story was doing. It was inspiring the king and trying to inspire a whole army of God's people to rise up and to be who they really were, which was overcomers. They were overcomers. And David happened to be the catalyst in this whole movement of recapturing what was rightfully theirs. But it would, have, it would not have happened if David did not have the faith to stand up and actually share his story. You just never know. You might be at work tomorrow, and you're thinking you're just going through your day, and you stop by a desk, or you stop by what the water cooler, or you stop by the, the little lounge, or what have it might, whatever it might be, and you overhear somebody talking about their struggle and about their issue, and something just suddenly quickens up on the inside of you called the Holy Spirit, and you remember, oh yeah, dang, I remember when God did that for me. Can I just share this story with you of how faithful my God is, whether they're a believer or an unbeliever? It sure don't matter. If they're a believer, they sure need the help, and if they're an unbeliever, they sure need the hope, so you just share your story with them. Why? Because God did it for you and God is no respecter of persons. Surely then God can move and do something in their life too. Amen. If you're a student and you're in school, you never know what some of your peers and your buddies might be going through. But you hear them talk about how maybe they got in trouble at home and how this is going on with mom and dad. And you suddenly think back, oh, I remember when I was having some problems at home. And, but I remember God helping us out and God coming through for us and, and God doing different things. And you might not talk like I talk, but you'll share it the way God made you to share it. And you'll be like, dude, let me tell you what's up. Let me share with you how I whip and how I nay-nay. Because my God is a real God. And I haven't been following him for that long, but I know the time that I've been following him. And I watch my mom and I watch my dad and I watch the struggle of what they go through. But I see how God answers their prayer. Let me just tell you that it might be tough for you right now. But if you'll put your hope and faith in God, then things will turn around for you. You never know. God is not a respecter of persons. Don't be afraid of your story. You all, all of us have a story. Amen? Let's look at this second part and wrap this part up on this story of David. Talking about faith, the second whole, this whole second part here, verses 20 through 40, deal with faith. Faith moves. Faith is action-oriented. Let's look at verse 38 through 40. Saul gave the consent, verse 39, 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on strapped the sword over it, and he took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. David said, I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag, then armed only with his shepherd's staff and his shepherd's sling, he started across the valley to actually go fight the Philistine Here's something David had faith to do after he shared his story. He stood up for what was sacred. He shared his story. And then we see something so vitally important. David didn't compromise who he really was. David had the faith to stay true to who he really was. And that's something you and I 
If we're going to be overcomers, if we're going to live with the spirit and attitude of it as an overcomer, we cannot compromise our character for the content, for the contentment of consensus. You and I cannot compromise our character for the contentment of consensus. What do I mean by that? In other words, we can't change who we are so other people will like us. And we can't change who we are for the sake of not offending anybody. We have to stay true to who we are as a person and as a child of God. Do not compromise who you really are. Don't compromise your character just to get somebody to like you. Just to get somebody to acknowledge you and approve you and affirm you. No, you don't change who you are in Christ. Christ changes who you are. He determines who you are, what you are, and, and how you are to go about your life. So David didn't compromise who he was. How do we know that? Because we look at the story and we see in, this, in this, these, first, these, these three verses, 38, 39, and 40, David had put on Saul's armor. Saul gave it to him to put on, but then David was like, no, I don't like this. This ain't me, brother. This is not who I am. He probably talked a lot more respectful than I'm giving him credit for because he was the king. He's like, I cannot, out of all due respect, sir, I can't wear your armor. I'm not used to them. I can't fight in them. This is not who I am. And it says David took off Saul's armor. There are three things that stick out right here with, to me on this, and that is this. David knew what was on him, what was in him, and what was with him. David knew what was on him, what was in him, and what was with him. And you and I, if we're going to live as an overcomer in Christ, church, let me tell you this, we got to know what's on us, what's in us, and what is with us. What do I mean by that? What is on us? Well, for David, it wasn't so much about what was on him as it, as, it was, as it was about what was not on him. He did not have on the king's armor anymore. He took it off. So, David was saying, what's on me is I'm not going to be something I'm not. You would be surprised if I took a survey in our church over the next couple of weeks how many of us actually struggle with being who we really are. Just because you get older, let me tell you, teenagers, just because when you get older, you think, man, you're going to be more secure, more, 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 you know, not have inferiority and all this stuff. Shoot, let me tell you right now, that stuff don't go away. That stuff doesn't go away. You can talk to the most secure person on this planet right now, and in their secret of their heart, they will tell you the truth. I have my days. All right? So don't think you get older and it goes away. No, it just changes color. It changes pace. The pressure changes. It just, just gets a little bit different atmosphere around you. The hope is we'll become more secure in Christ and less secure in our humanistic side. Amen? Amen? So David's like, I know what's on me. For us, we need to know what's on us. We don't need to be something we're not. Here's an old adage I read recently. If you is who you ain't, then you ain't who you is. Just give it to me plain, right? You see, David had a lot going for him. David was just about 16. He had a lot going for him at 16. That joker, with his own bare hands, killed a lion and killed a bear. Nobody in that army had done such a thing. 
David had a lot going for him. He was the only one willing to stand up and fight the giant. Nobody else was willing to do that. He had a lot going on for him. You see, here's the thing. When we have a lot going on for us, the potential we have is that we have a greater tendency to struggle with our identity. The more money you make, the more class you have, the more power, the more prestige, the more acknowledgement, the more accolades, all this different stuff. The more you've got going on for you and the more we have going on for us, there's, a more, there's more potential to struggle with our identity issues because it can be this right here. We can start to base our identity on everything we have possessed. Why do you think people have been married for 40 years? Their kids graduate, go to college, and get a good-paying job, and they're moved out of the house finally. No more financial dependency on mom and dad and all this stuff. Why do you think people who have been married for 40 years get a divorce? Most of the time it's because their identity was what they did in the first 50 years of life. And now they're trying to figure out, what do I do now? And they're unhappy and they're searching and trying to grab here and grab there. And none of it's helping and none of it's answering. Because identity, identity. That's why we all go through different identity crises. We go through it in our 20s. We go through it in our 40s. We go through it when we retire. So I'm told. I feel like I'm still going through it. I'll be 40 in December. I'm like, well, great. I got another hurdle to jump over. <laughs> Here's what I like to think about myself, and I hope is true, and I pray to God that my heart is right, that I want to be the same person I am with a hundred as, as I would be with a thousand. That if God can trust me with a hundred or a hundred and twenty, then God, can you trust me with a thousand? Time will tell, and God knows. I hope, right? Same thing for you and I. God, can you trust me with this $100 bill? I sure would know what it's like to make a 1000 a week. Well, if you're good with a 100 and you're faithful with a 100 and you do right with a 100 and you give God what's his at a 100, then guess what? Over time, God will show you that, yeah, you'll be ready for the 1000 when it's time. Amen. That's how, his, that's how he works. That's how he thinks. That's how he works through stuff in us. It's a test of the heart. All of it is. And so is this. You need to know what's on you. You need to know. Don't change for the sake of acceptance. Don't change your morals. Don't change your convictions. Don't change your beliefs. Don't change your values if they're right and holy in God and rooted in the kingdom. Don't change any of that, don't change any of that stuff just so you will be accepted by the populace of people. Because those people, just as quickly as they came around you and cheered for you, a week later they will burn on you and spit on you. It happened to Jesus in a week's time, he rode in on a donkey and everybody was laying down palm branches. It's called Palm Sunday. By Friday, everybody was saying, you need to kill him. Be quick as to how quick you make friends because they might always not be there for you. And if you have to change your core just to be accepted amongst the many, then let me go ahead and let you in on a secret. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. Here's another thing David realized about what was on him. David refused. He didn't wear the labels that Saul was trying to put on him. Saul said, David, if you're going to go fight, then you need to put, wear my armor. Wear the king's armor, David. 
is you're going to go out there, represent us with the king's coat of armor. Even though David was a, he, he wasn't king by, by uh, vote yet or, or by the appointment of people yet, but David was king in his heart because God had already anointed him through the prophet Samuel. In chapter 16, he was already anointed to be the next king. It was just a matter of time whenever that would take place. But he, re, he did not wear the labels that somebody else was trying to put on him. And you and I, we can't wear the labels that other people try to put on us. Because believe it or not, everybody's trying to label everybody. You ever walk into a restaurant and you see some folks you don't know, they're just sitting there. What's one of the things that they first do when they notice you is they do this. Went to, went to lunch a few weeks ago. Haley and I did and met someone for lunch. And we're walking through the restaurant. And there's some, no offense, ladies, if this, this happens to you. But there was a group of ladies sitting there. And they saw my wife ahead of me. And I saw them do this. They don't know her. And she don't know them. But why? We have it in our nature to look at people with labels. Hmm, what you wearing? Right? It happens to everybody. That's why I'm a fan of, of, uh, of you don't like what I'm going to say, but I'm a fan of school uniforms. I didn't propose that. I didn't, I'm not on the school board, and I didn't act to make that happen. I just want to let you know that. But that way, everybody's equal. Now, I know we all wear our uniform in different ways. Some of us like to sag it, and some of us like to drag it, and others like to pull it up high and tight. But nonetheless, the colors are all the same, right? The colors are all the same. I don't really know the reasoning. I've never read into it, never talked to the superintendents around our country about that kind of stuff. In our school, we have a uniform code as well. But here's the thing, what I like to think about that is when you walk into school, you're not treated as a different person. At least that's one of our values in our school here. Is it regardless of where you're from or what you got going on for you or got going against you, you're accepted here, right? But the thing is, all of us put labels on everybody. We do it every day. We do it with people we don't know. We do it with people we do know. We put labels. We just dress them with layers of labels. Oh, there goes that girl who talks about Jesus too much. She's a Bible thumper. Woo, don't you let her know you've got a problem because, girl, she will come over here and pray for you. And so what happens when, when sister so-and-so walks around the corner? Oh, there she is. You go the other way. Labels, right? It happens with all of us. We all get labeled, and folks, we're just as bad. Don't think of, we are just as bad about putting labels on people. But here's the thing. We need to know what's really on us. Know what's on us. And then David also knew what was in him. You got, got like two minutes. I'm trying to wrap up, I, pr I promise. He knew what was in him. And we need to know what's in us as well. David took five smooth, so he took the armor off. He had five smooth stones in his shepherd's bag. He took those five smooth stones and he put those in his shepherd's bag. His shepherd's bag was a symbol of who he was. David was a shepherd, anointed to be a king. But he was a shepherd in his heart of taking care of others. And that bag represented who he was. And notice what he put in his bag. He did not put anything in his bag that was not useful and beneficial for what his purpose was in God. In other words, David did not clutter his life 
with stuff that didn't have any type of impact on God's purpose for his life. The Apostle John says it something like this. This world, in, in 1 John 2, he said, This world offers craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, and craving for all of our achievements and our possessions. In other words, what he's getting at is, hey, don't junk up your life with stuff that is not significant for your kingdom cause and your kingdom purpose in the Lord. Why are you picking up that and picking up that and putting that in and putting that in and giving your time and attention and your ear and your eyes and your heart and your soul to that relationship, to that person, to that group, to that meeting, to that context, to that scenario, to that gossip, to that stuff? Why are you filling your life up with mess when you are called to be a walker? miracle for me. David had an opportunity. He could have wore somebody else's label and he could have changed himself for the sake of not offending and being accepted. But then he also, he could have easily began to take Saul's weapons and bear them in his hands. But no, he took weapons of choice that were selective for who he was. Don't put stuff in your life that doesn't pertain to God's purpose for your life. If, if you ever wonder, man, why can't I get free of this right here? Why does this seem to have its stronghold in my life? Why does this certain thing always seem to pop up at this time around the every year at the same time? Because you keep putting stuff in your life that does not pertain to God's purpose for your life. And the sooner you start deleting and cleaning out and making room for more of God in your life, pretty soon you'll start to realize how much of an overcomer you really are and how powerless that stuff that you used to hold on to really is. Anybody? Amen? Lastly, David knew what was with him. David knew what was with him. It said he took with him his shepherd's staff and his shepherd's sling. Weapons of protection. See, David was noted for writing Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And your rod and your staff, they protect me. These were weapons of protection, a shepherd's staff and a shepherd's sling. Weapons of protection. David was protecting his soul. He was showcasing, hey, I'm not alone. There is one who is greater than me. There is one who is stronger than me. There is one who is mightier than me. There is one who is more swifter than me. There is one who is more skilled than me. There is one who is with me that you don't see with your own eyes in essence, but the Lord is with me. David knew what was on him, what was in him, and he knew what was with him. Let's stand we conclude this morning. You need to know that on your in your battle, in your difficulty, you need to know that God is with you. You don't need to be ignorant of the fact that God is with you. 
He's with you when you make the wrong choice. And He's with you when you make the right one. And David knew. He said, if I'm ever going to have a chance, if, if God's people are going to ever have a chance to win and be in victory, then I don't need to rely on my skill. I know I took care of the lion and I took care of the bear. And I know, God, you deliver me. But right now, I'm leaning on the everlasting arm of the Lord. And I'm asking you, God, in David's heart, he's saying, Lord, I rely on you. Right now, my troubles are big. Right now, I feel like there's tumultuous windstorms against me. Right now, I feel like I'm about to step off into, a, into some quicksand. God, I, I'm facing some insurmountable odds in my life. Right now, my mother is ill. Right now, my father is ill. God, right now, we don't have this. God, right now, I'm in need of this. God, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. But one thing I know for sure is that when the giant is looking at me and he's defying a Against me and he's trying to get me to shut up and sit down and, and remain silent. Lord, I will not stand, I will not sit, but I will stand. I will not run away, but I will hold my place. And God, there's one thing I'm asking you, and that is this let me know you are with me. That if I know you are with me, It might not turn out the way I want it to, but if I know you are with me, God, I might have to go through some heat. I might have to go through some pressure. I might have to go through some persecution. I might have to be willing for people not to like me anymore. I might have to go through the fact that some people won't be with me anymore, but I'm doing what's right. I'm standing for what's right. And God, I just need to know you are with me. Anybody need to know that God is with you today? I feel like that's the, that's the anchor in today's sermon is we need to know, hey, come on, saints, I need to know that God is with me. I'm, I feel like sometimes I don't know that he is. I feel like everybody else isn't with me, but God, I need to know if I know that you are with me, I will be all right. Amen. And lift your hands today if you need God's presence in a greater way than you ever thought before because you really do, whether you realize it or not. Just go ahead and just accept it. Go ahead and just embrace it. Go ahead and just open your heart right now to God and His presence. So, Lord, we lift our hands to you in the same.